So it is November 23rd. It is 2016. I'm preaching to my soft-hearted brothers and sisters again tonight. Y'all love the Lord? Oh man, do I love the Lord. Our message tonight is called Wish Come True. Where are you going, Elijah? Man, don't take Elijah out of the service. We got a seat just for Elijah right here. I got grandbabies, y'all. Titus Magnus and Elijah. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty good group of grandbabies right there, huh? I love this church. Y'all love this church? Yes. We want to begin with wish come true in Numbers 11. When you get to Numbers 11, recognize you are in the very law of God. Discover the uh, 24th verse and land on it. Tonight, I'm sure in pulpits all over America, they'll be talking about turkeys or something ridiculous like that. If you had a turkey in the pulpit, he would be talking about a turkey. But what we've come forward for is we want the pure, unadulterated word of God, don't we? One thing I love about this church is you love the truth. You know? You can preach to a group that is fired up, and the harder you preach, the more fired up they get. I, uh, I love this church. Y'all in Numbers 11 yet? In Numbers 11, beginning in verse 24. Actually, let's begin in 23. The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Isn't that a very basic question that we all face? Is the Lord able to come through for me? Will the Lord come through for me? The great prophet Moses was no different. And he's faced with feeding thousands of people. And he has a problem. And he's concerned about it. And I want you to see the answer when it comes to feeding thousands of people. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. He took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them. They prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since his youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, (laughs) Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses had a wish, and that wish has come true. When faced with feeding thousands of people, the answer was not just the food that got rained down from heaven. The answer was the Spirit of God that rested on all men. Because if you have the Holy Ghost, you have everything that you need. 
A man full of the Holy Ghost can make an eyeball out of mud. A man full of the Holy Ghost can take a saltine cracker and feed 5,000 people. A man filled with the Holy Ghost can do everything that God can do. If you have the power of the Holy Ghost, what else do you need? The law of God expresses the, the heart of God, the desire of God. The man Moses was asking, he wanted for all God's people to be prophets. This is an interesting thing because today when you meet Christians and they say they go to a spirit-filled church, what that means is the aristocracy in the church is spirit-filled. What that means is the pastor at one time was a fired-up spirit-filled man, but now they do spirit-filled retreats quarterly for a handful of people and 95% of the folks in the church have no idea what the baptism in the Holy Ghost even is. This was never the desire that God expressed. His expression was not that a few people, just those at the top. But God wanted all to be filled with the Spirit. It turns out that one of our brothers, Mike Hutchinson, was preaching in Louisiana just a few days ago. The one association is starting to get around and get along. While he was preaching there, he recognized that it had been some seven years since he had left. And he began to marvel at the good things God had done in his life and the lives of the people that he was preaching to. Here recently, we've all been sharing with each other and we see that the mighty Holy Ghost is moving among the churches of the one association. And so the pastors came together and made an oath. That oath is on the board here. It says, having tasted of the age to come, I will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and corporate manifestations of his gifts. There's a reason to this. When we get together and we're full of the Spirit of God, everything that is possible with God becomes possible among the men who are filled with his Spirit. Do you want to be filled with His Spirit? How dare we relegate it to a second class? How dare we we cordon it off and say it's only for those special few? Our desire should be that everyone be filled with the Holy Ghost. So we will not, not now and not ever, not at any time will any one association church ever say we just don't think you guys are ready for all of that. So we're going to keep that for our special services. While we appeal to the masses. It's not going to happen. And there's a big reason that it's not going to happen. Turn with me to Hebrews 2. Say there when you were there. In the second chapter of Hebrews. As my beard gets longer Rick. I have to move that microphone further and further down. I'm killing the sound booth. huh? But I'm not cutting it. (laughs) Amen. I'll just preach louder if I have to. Y'all doing okay tonight? I want to talk to you about Moses' wish coming true. Not just Moses' wish, my wish too. I love this church. And before this message is over, I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it many, many times. I'm very capable of hitting you with a sledgehammer. Tonight I want to hug you each. I want to kiss your cheeks. I want to tell you that I'm not thankful for some fat bird on a table or some family gathering. I'm thankful that we have built the Church of Acts right here. I am so proud of you. I don't know what to say. This is a miraculous church, a spirit-filled church, an amazing life-giving church, a devil-stomping. I love my church, Pastor Sutherland. I love the men that we work with. 
When I stand and see Peyton leading worship tonight and JJ right there like a right and left hand smacking the devil upside the head. When I see Elder Steve lose himself in the presence of God somewhere back here, all over here, everywhere. Oh man. All I can think is there was a time when this was just a vision spoken to somebody ill-equipped to do it. And look what God is doing. And I know he's going to do it again and again in the countries of the world, Buddy Brasso. I know he's going to do it again and again, Ibrahim. We're going to spread out around the world, Justin, and we're going to shake this earth for Jesus Christ. Not because we're great men, but because we're ordinary men who serve a great God. When you are spirit-filled, everything becomes possible. Are you in Hebrews 2? In Hebrews 2, starting in the second verse. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it. Say he testified to it. By signs, wonders, and various miracles. And gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. It turns out that when somebody has been touched by God, when salvation has occurred, when a miraculous regeneration happens, there are signs, there are wonders, there are various miracles, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a way to see that heaven agrees with what's happening on earth. When you turn to the Lord in repentance and something supernaturally is happening in your heart and we gather together in many believers and that's happening, you will also see spontaneous miracles taking place in the church. You will see supernatural activities taking place in the church. And the reason that this has died down in testimony at the church at large is because they're not actually regenerate. They're not actually born of heaven. When you are born of heaven, these signs follow those who believe. I want to take you through verbally. I will, you, can, you can write them down because I'm going to keep this message at a size that is easily digested tonight. In Leviticus 9, you don't have to turn there. Write it down, 924. Check me afterward to see if I'm true. The Levites in the tabernacle of Moses had an altar That altar was lit on fire from the heavens. The fire of God fell on it. Do you know why? When God wanted to attest to his priest on earth, he answered with fire from heaven. He answered with supernatural heavenly signs so that the whole world would know these men are mine. And he is answering with fire in our midst. In 1 Kings 18 verse 38, a man named Elijah was answered with fire from heaven. He stood in the midst of the prophets of Baal. Those who said there's an easier way, there's a cheaper way, there's a faster way, a more expedient way. He disadvantaged himself in every way just to show that it was not his own right arm. He wet the altar with water. He dug a trench around it. He did nothing that your mind would tell you to do. Total, unashamed, unabashed trust in the Lord. And he was answered with fire from heaven. Do you know why? When there is a genuine believer on the earth, heaven testifies to the genuine nature of this being God's son. 
When you get to 1 Chronicles 21, 26, David is standing on the future side of the temple. He is answering the plague that has come on God's people. And as he offers a burnt offering, fire from heaven falls on David's future site of the temple. It turns out that God always responds from heaven to those who are faithful on the earth. By the time you get to Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter and the first verse, Solomon is preaching to a nation. He's praying in a temple. He's building a house of prayer for all nations. That is the goal of the temple. That everybody in the world would see the greatness of the God of Israel and have a chance to taste of Him. And God answered with fire from heaven. You will scarcely find a structure or a man that is called of God, a structure built on the earth representing God that was built according to God's plan that fire does not touch. Which begs the question, why are there so many around us untouched by fire? Because they have not built in God's way. They have not the signs of heaven because they do not have the pattern of heaven. They looked at the heavenly pattern and said it's too hard. They looked at the heavenly pattern and said they know better. They looked at the holy pattern and disregarded it in favor of their own choosing. Church, you have clung to the pattern. You have loved it. You examine it, you look at your own life, and you look at it every day, and you are a bunch that repents at the altar like no church group I've ever seen. We can never make it a few songs through worship before you soft-hearted, amazing Christians are on your face before God. To hell with what people think. You want the approval of God, and you're making adjustments in your life so that God can answer you with fire from heaven. You have reason For confidence. You have reason to know that He will answer you from heaven because you are doing His will on the earth. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I am so happy that we serve a God that He will answer you with fire and He only wants you to desire Him. And when you do, He meets that desire. Perhaps this is why in the second chapter of Acts, those who were praying, have you ever thought that there were 500 people that saw Jesus resurrected? 500 at one time. But there are only 120 in the upper room praying. What does that tell you? That tells you 380 found something better to do than wait on the promised Holy Ghost. Is that a majority or a minority? It's a majority that found something better to do and a minority that were seeking God, a remnant that were seeking God. And upon that remnant, do you know what he did? He answered them with fire from heaven. In full view of everybody else, they saw and heard the Holy Spirit move upon them. He answered them with fire from heaven. You can take this all the way through the Bible. In the 8th chapter of Revelation, in the 3rd through the 5th verse, the prayers of the saints are mixed with incense in the heavens. God takes fire from His altar, actually an angel does, and He mixes the fire from the altar with the prayer of the saints, and it gets hurled to the earth, and it brings changes. Do you know why we are life-changing ministries? Because we're on fire from heaven. And the fire of heaven, the the prayer of a, a fiery hot saint 
is like incense rising before the Lord and He will take it, gather it, and send it to the earth as an answer from heaven that He is with you. Church, you have reason to believe He is with you. Look around you. How many of you have been healed in this church? Look around. Look at it. We could list the children, list the miracles. You have been lit on fire from heaven. This is a pulpit that you usually hear you're doing good, but you can go further. This is a pulpit that you usually hear you love him, but you need to love him more. You're working hard for him, but you need to work. I want to tell you tonight, more than any other night, you have answered this oath. You have tasted of the age to come. And you will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and corporate manifestations of the gift because you're not going to back up now. I am proud of the men and women in this church. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19 says, Do not quench the, the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. The devil will not be able to put out what has been lit here. Do you know why? It was not lit by men. It was lit by the fires of heaven. I could no more have made this work than a man on the moon. Matthew Pirro might could have made it work, but it didn't happen in his arms. We know Wade Sutherland has the ability to have made it work, but that's not how it happened. It happened as humble, ordinary men began to obey God. And he loved us enough to put obstacles in our way, adversity in our path, to test the sincerity of our faith and the call. And by the grace of God, when we wanted to quit, the Spirit carried us forward. So that like Zerubbabel's temple, we could say it's not by might, it's not by power, it is by the Spirit of the Lord that this is done. Oh church, it is so important that we remain in the power of the Spirit. What you have learned, what you are walking in, what you are growing in, it is going to carry you into other nations. It is going to carry you into other congregations. It is going to carry you, your children, and your children's children. If I were speaking to a different group, I would warn you right now not to modify, not to adulterate, not to append the moving of the Spirit, but I know you. I know that you want more. You want all of Him. You want a radical obedience to Him. So I think it's best to to encourage you to say, Hey, ask Pastor Sutherland. Ask Pastor Sutherland why he quit cares. Ask Pastor Sutherland and Christy why they moved in. What you're going to hear is that they were reading 1 Kings 19 and they saw that Elijah burned his plow. And in seeing Elijah burned his plow, the Spirit of the living God spoke to them and said, Set down the ways in which you're making money. It's time. It's time to be in the harvest. You're going to find out that reading 2 Kings 4, Pastor Sutherland realized, Man, we need life-on-life contact. We need it with the Stevens. We need it with the Piros. And we need to provide that for other people. We're going to go bring what we have to dying people. And we expect the dead to come back to life. Oh, the Spirit of God showed them that. As crafty as I am, I could never call a man in another state and convince him to sell the nicest house he's ever been in, leave one of the most lucrative jobs he had ever been in, turn down every job he gets offered after that, give all of his money, all of his assets, all of his time, and all of his attention to a little storefront church. However highly or lowly you think of me, know something for sure. The Spirit of God spoke to the Sutherlands or they wouldn't be here. Only God could do that. But here's the thing. 
He loves to. He loves to. He, he loves to answer from heaven with fire. He hasn't stopped. It's not over. You can expect obedience to be met with power from on high. Ask Pastor Matthew. Say, Pastor Matthew, how did you end up here? You're going to find out that Pastor Matthew and Cassidy were in a corporate worship service and God spoke to them. When they left the corporate worship service, God spoke to them on an individual level and he confirmed it. Matthew began a sentence and Cassidy finished it. Where would we be without the corporate manifestation of the gifts? Where would we be without the personal manifestation of the gifts? Ask Pastor Sutherland how the leadership meeting is done in this church. <laughs> Elder Charlie's not here tonight, but Elder Bosch and Elder Steve are here. We get together, get on our face, and the Holy Ghost tells us what to do. It's gifted as the Sutherlands are. They don't know what to do. The Holy Ghost tells us what to do. Consider how would Pastor Matthew have ever run a worship service, ever, if it were not solely focused on the manifestation of God's presence for the leading of his people. Oh, church, we are so dependent on the Holy Ghost. We're never going back. It's never going to happen. I'm not going to pretend it's okay when other people do. We're not going to associate with those that have a half-hearted view towards the baptism in the Holy Ghost because He is everything. To be immersed in Him is everything. We need Him. We need to live in Him, move in Him, breathe in Him, have our being in Him. He is everything. Where's my little Abby? Oh, she's working. Oh, no, right in the center. Abby, stand up for a second. Stand on one foot. Put your hand on your... I'm kidding, honey. I'm kidding. This is my Abby. She was supposed to be blind by now. Abby, can you see me? Yeah, do you have any problems seeing me? Abby, do you like my beard? Oh, amen. You can sit down, Abby. Abby's supposed to be blind right now. She had some... I don't even know. I didn't even want to talk to the ophthalmologist. I was, you know, just be quiet. We're going home and praying. Abby threw her glasses away. She threw her glasses away right away. She'd been healed. Okay? Don't tell me that we don't need the personal and the corporate manifest. Gabriel, stand up. This tall, handsome Q-tip over here. He, he almost died three times. You know, he turned blue in the car. He stopped breathing. We were at a general practitioner for a normal checkup, and he turned blue and stopped breathing. They said, call 911. I said, we don't call 911. Put our hands on his head, and you know what? He's still here 10 years later. You can sit down. We are dependent on the moving of the Holy Spirit. We need Him. We need this fire for this purpose. There's a reason we need the fire. Say, we need the fire. fire. Now, here's why we need the fire. It's number two on the board. Having been adopted into the Holy Family... I will not rest until every nation in the world is represented before His throne. You will never reach the nations in your own strength. You will never know how to evangelize cultures you haven't been in. You will never be able to walk into a city you don't know a soul and plant a church if you're not doing it by the very power and presence of the Holy Ghost. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit that we might be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, 
in Samaria, to the very ends of the earth without the Holy Ghost presence. We will never make right disciples. Turn with me to Isaiah 46. Uh, Isaiah 49. Sorry, Isaiah 49. Say there when you're there. Have I talked to a few of you? Raise your hand if, I've, if you've heard me speaking about Isaiah 49 recently. Wow, how about that? See, I dropped a little hint on a, on a Sunday that God had spoken to me about Isaiah 49. Everybody with their hand raised, they came and found me at a non-service time and said, we want to know more. We want to know more. Please tell us what happened. So I'm not going to tell you the rest of Isaiah 49. Those with their hands raised, they know because they sought it out. If you don't yet know what the Lord spoke to the Stephens about Isaiah 49, and you want to know, all you got to do is ask. Let me drop a small hint, though. In Isaiah 49, 6, he says, It is too small a thing. For you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. God was never interested in one small select group of people receiving him only. His heart's desire was always that what he had given to one He wanted everybody to have. Moses' wish was that every man would be filled in the same way that he was filled. That was his desire. You know who else had that desire? God did. What he was doing in Israel, he wanted to touch the nations. And what he's doing in LCM, he wants to touch the nations. What he's doing in the One Association, he wants to touch the nations. Having been adopted into the Holy Family, I will not rest until every nation in the world is represented before His throne. In Isaiah, turn to the right, Isaiah 56. In Isaiah 56, picking up in verse 4. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths. Man, you thought somebody got a raw deal in life. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, who hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial name better than sons and daughters. You could take somebody that had one of the worst situations that they could have. It's not possible to have progenitory. It's not possible to even have a normal life. And God says, if you hold fast to me, I will give you a name that is better than my own sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord and worship Him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Say all nations. nations. Christianity has been often presented as something to bless you. The point was never to bless you for the sake of blessing you. The point was always to start with one group and your blessing to that group would touch every nation on the planet. One thing that I love about this group and the One Association churches is you are outward focused. 
You have begun to understand your responsibility having been blessed by God. To be a blessing to the world around you. So we're not going to back up, let up or shut up until the whole world knows. We are going to go to the ends of the earth. And if we get to the ends of the earth and we don't yet have a remnant for the Lord, then we will go again. And we will do it generation after generation until every tribe, tongue and nation is represented. Isaiah mourned because Israel had failed in this purpose. Isaiah 26, 18 literally is them grieving. We were with child. We writhed in pain. We gave birth to the wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to people of the, to the people of the world. See, the Christian heart ought to be broken for the lost. When we're not seeing the lost saved, it ought to be devastating because how many of you have come into this church in this year, in 2016? Look at this. Now keep your hands up for a second. What would life be like right now without Justin Linton? I mean, how many of you feel like Abimbola is family to you? How many of you have had little Kelsky, uh, Victorious Kelsky? The wrestler, the the first place champion, Kelsky. Listen, we need each other. Not only do we need each other, our purpose is found in finding and uniting with each other. These are not churches that will be isolated. We will build churches in other lands, but they will not stay in those lands. Every church in every nation will reach to the other nations. That's going to happen because it's the heart of God. It's the will of God. You can't taste of Him and then not care whether or not others have tasted of Him. In fact, in the second chapter of John, you don't have to go there. You can just write this. In the second chapter of John, we have Jesus' first miracle, right? Water into wine at a wedding. Do you know what's next? It's Him correcting His house. He goes right into the temple. And you know what He's upset about? You've made my house a den of robbers. He's quoting Jeremiah. He he goes in to correct the house because it was not focused on the nations. It was focused on self-enrichment. Do you hear me? I am so happy that you're not focused on your own enrichment for the sake of enriching yourself. You are focused on what you can do for others. You've grabbed hold of the proverb that says, He who refreshes others is himself refreshed. We have found life in giving our lives away. We have found power in becoming His vessel, empty and devoid of our own will. Oh my, how many of you are in love with the Lord tonight? Revelation 5 in verse 9 is where we've taken the oath, the second oath of the one association. It says, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Oh, church, He has purchased them, and they don't know it. How can we not go? How can we not preach? You know, I have been in congregations and around people that I love, and I believe they love the Lord, but they pacified themselves in talking about going. And they never actually did it. One of the things that distinguishes 
Submission Ministries, distinguishes King's Harvest Fellowship, distinguishes New Life, distinguishes uh, the Arising Church, and distinguishes life-changing ministries is we are no longer just talking about it. We are actually going. Our friends, our sons, our daughters, our mothers, our fathers, they are hitting the mission field. When we talk about going to Mexico, people are like, well, it's close. We're going and we will forsake Christmas to go. Amen. Not come back and hold the Christmas. Miss it all together. Do you know why? Because it's Christmas to us to be among the poor and tell them about the goodness of God. That is Christmas to us. And those of you that cannot go, and those of you that will be here with the Sutherlands having an amazing worship service for the Lord, do you know what you'll be doing? You'll be preparing yourself for the next opportunity to go. You'll be receiving from heaven for the purpose of transmitting it on the earth. And God will answer you with fire from heaven. When you think of being answered with fire from heaven and you think of missions, ask Pastor Sutherland about Africa and a man named Pedro. See what happened to him when he got filled with the Holy Ghost spontaneously. Ask Pastor Sutherland what it did for his family to see the nation being baptized in the Holy Ghost, to see demons being cast out, to see the supernatural happening. Ask him if he believes that you can go to the nations without being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and be effective. But a man filled with the power of God, he's the answer to every nation's problem. He is, he is the reason that God made man on the earth. He is the one that can subdue the very powers of hell and liberate those that are in the clutches of the devil and then come back singing and rejoicing with captives in his train now set free. Oh, church, we're going to be dependent on the Holy Ghost as we evangelize. Ask Pastor Matthew the benefit of a prophetic word given to the Peru missions team where he literally laid out every function that they would have and the way in which it was prophesied is the way in which it happened. Have you ever wondered how does Buddy Brasso show up in Peru and not have a plan? Well, you were mistaken. He had a plan. It was to be filled with the Holy Ghost and do exactly what he said. You want to know how a man like Steve Thomas shows up in Peru and becomes effective because God ordained him to go. He heard the voice of the Lord compel him. He was filled with the Spirit. And so while he's there, he simply does what he would do at home. Exactly what the Lord would tell him to do. This is our great missions plan because the Holy Ghost is the great evangelist and the power to witness on the earth. Talk to me about the Holy Ghost. I will tell you that he spoke to me and told me, focus on one life at a time. And I did. And then about five years later, he said, these lives are fastly becoming families. And he taught me how to minister to families. And he said, focus on one life, but also focus on the families. How many of you have been through marriage teaching in this class, in this church? <laughs> Look around. Is that incredible? Most people's marriage teaching is like a 30-minute class before you pay the pastor to pronounce you man and wife. For us, it's a minimum of six three-hour classes. Minimum. <laughs> and the homework involved is longer than the class. <laughs> yeah. And the homework involves... A couple sermons a week that are an hour and a half apiece. 
And everybody in the church has been through it this Mary. That's incredible. Ask me what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost and try to evangelize. And I'm going to tell you that after we focused on a life, after he focused us on a family, he told us one nation at a time. And in the last 18 months, we've been a part of putting in or taking out of ministry five ordained ministers in the last 18 months. Is the Holy Ghost an effective evangelist? Five more years went by. And he spoke to me and told me that there would be 12 springs that would feed the 70 nations of the world. And we are in the midst of building those springs and the nations are beginning to spring to life because of it. That takes us to what happened in Isaiah 49. Where he spoke to me about a region of the world in our next five years. How many of you heard about that? Raise your hands. Mm, wow. If you haven't heard about it and you want to, all you got to do is stop by and ask. But it's good. I want to talk to you about our third oath. And there's a reason. These go in the order they go in for a reason. It turns out that you need the power of the Holy Ghost to be a witness. It turns out that our job is to witness to the whole world. And in witnessing to the whole world, the devil is going to try to back you off the truths of the Scripture. So the third oath that came from the one association meeting was I will not be bribed, intimidated, or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture. Church, we can't be talked out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We can't be talked into pushing it into a back corner. We cannot be talked out of the convictions that the Holy Ghost has formed in us regarding it being more important to share the gospel than benefit from the gospel. We can't be talked out of these things because we see them clearly in the Word and we are daily implementing the Word in our lives. Turn with me to Daniel 6 and then ask yourself, what would we have done in today's worship service if Justin Linton didn't prophesy exactly the same thing that's in Daniel 6 but from Daniel 10. Say there when you were there. In Daniel 6. Look at how Daniel did this. 6 verse 6. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators Prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Say lion's den. Now forget for a minute that this is a story you tell your children. Forget for a minute that at some point in Sunday school you saw a black felt board with a little paper lion on it and a man stuck to the felt board. Because it's sweet is all of that is for soft-hearted people. The truth is these were not felt-board lions. The truth is Daniel was not a little paper man. He was an actual human being just like you. How would you feel if you were dropped into a lion's den in the next few minutes? Be a little concerned? Well, to know that, all you have to do is ask yourself, how do you feel when you face a challenge like uh, you got fired? A challenge like uh, your mortgage is due and you don't have the money? A challenge like floodwaters are rising. A challenge like any of the challenges we face. What is your reaction in that? And you'll know what your reaction would be in a lion's den. 
Now, O king, issue the decree and put in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. His conviction was unmoved by the present threat. If you don't make up your mind before the threat comes, then you have to evaluate it when the threat comes. What was Daniel's conviction based on? How about Psalm 55, verses 16 through 18? But I call to God... And the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. How does he say it? Evening, morning, and noon. Do you know why evening, morning, and noon? Because in the Jewish day, it starts in the evening. It starts in darkness, but it moves towards light, morning. And at the brightest part of the day, noon, is the third time that you're in prayer. See, the Jewish mindset was three times a day I pray like three times a day I eat. The Word of God had said in, eight, in uh, B.C. 1000, under David, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. And Daniel was unmoved even if it cost him his life to do it. Throw me in the lion's den, and there's a reason. What's the next verse? He ransomed me unharmed. From the battle waged against me, even though many opposed me. Daniel believed that the only thing that could harm him was to disobey God. But whatever happened to him while he was obeying the word of God was okay. It didn't matter. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me. When you believe this, when your convictions are set by the word as so many of yours are, then you can look right at the devil and you can say, I will not be bribed. I will not be intimidated. I will not be seduced away from the daily implement. Say daily. Daily. Daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture. Our convictions run deep in this church. We're not going to read it from Nehemiah 6, but if you read Nehemiah 6, you would find out four times Sanballat and Tobiah threatened Nehemiah. In the fifth time, they had a letter that was proposed to be from the king. Nehemiah noticed that it was unsealed. (laughs) In other words, it could have been altered. It may not have actually come from the king. The fifth time. And you know what? So two enemies are out there going, we got a letter and you have to halt what you're doing. That thing God told you to do. Nehemiah didn't even get down off the wall or stop working. Do you know why? Because the man at war doesn't have time to address every dog that barks at him. He cannot be seduced away. He can't be intimidated off. He can't be bribed away from what God has told him to do. We're a tenacious bunch. Maybe stubborn even. It's okay if you're stubborn about the right right thing. Look, even my dachshund will fight for the bone. You know why? He wants it. He's not going to give it up. with. He's all of nine pounds. I named him Winston Churchill, saw his character, and named him Weenie. That ought to tell you everything. Not a fighter. But he wants that bone. He's not going to let it up without a fight. Man, I want the will of God. Don't you believe that I'm going to let it up without a fight? 
And I love that you've answered that same call. Some think it's macho bravado. They think our ministry is built on beards, cigars, and pickup trucks. If it were, what would a handsome man like Curtis do? Although he's got a pretty fine beard going. It's not based on that at all. This is what ignorant people do to mischaracterize what they want to have and think they cannot have. It is a tenacious desire to complete God's will and an absolute abandonment of concern of what people think about us. See, it's required. If Daniel was worried about what the king and the satraps and all of his political peers thought about him, then he would not have obeyed God. He would have sought the favor of his peers rather than the favor of his father. If Nehemiah was concerned about... You you know what they did after Samballot and Tobiah couldn't get Nehemiah to yield? Do you know what what they did? They got Shehemiah to come and lie to him, to prophesy to him lies. Do you know what Nehemiah said? I don't think that came from God. And he kept working. He said, should a man like me go and hide? It's not going to happen. Poor Nehemiah. He was just overcome with macho bravado. Or he had heard from God. (laughs) Have you heard from God, church? Did did the Lord speak to you and tell you you you're going to have a baby and now you hold your baby in your arms? So all the hell can't convince you God doesn't answer prayer. Did did the devil tell you you would never be married, single young man, and now you're sitting next to a beautiful woman and mother of your children, and so now you will never be backed off of a promise of God again? Did you hear one time from the devil that you were unfit for the call, unworthy of doing anything, but now you've seen people saved, you've seen them filled with the Holy Ghost, you've seen miracles come through your very hand, and you can't be backed off ever again? Oh, is it macho bravado and cigars or is it just a man who heard from God? Ask Pastor Wade what it's like to face the president of a corporation that purports to be Christian. And they hold your paycheck in their hands. They hold your housing situation in their hands. And the thing is, is they really would like to intimidate you away from what you know is true. That the baptism in the Holy Ghost is for everybody. You read 1 Corinthians 14, 26, and Pastor Wade knew that every meeting, not some meetings, every meeting was supposed to have a manifestation of the gift of God. And they really wanted to threaten him away from his conviction. But he was willing to lose his paycheck, willing to lose his house. And gain the very favor of God. Oh my goodness. Ask Pastor Matthew what it is to stand on a conviction. You look at something like Romans 12 that has made Matthew's heart beat for many years. It's his spiritual act of worship to submit the very members of his body. His mind is being renewed and transformed. He will not conform to the pressures of this world. So he knows what it is to be Good and pleasing and have the perfect will of God. Matthew struggled for many years as an electrician and then an electrician salesman, right? While he's trying to figure out how also to minister. And he had this pressure every day of, do I go really work for Laban? Or do I do what my heart tells me to do and I love? And the thing is, is the Lord had not yet released him. He said, you know, Matthew, you're going to have to seek me in every action. You're going to have to find out how to serve me at work and also please your employer and do a good job because it's godly. Nobody in here knows what that's like, huh? 
How did Matthew learn to do that? He stuck to his conviction that when God spoke, he obeyed. When God hadn't spoke, spoken, then there was nothing to obey. He stuck to his... I remember praying with Matthew in between appointments. I remember us pulling off to, other, to, to parking lots between appointments, praying and falling asleep. We were so tired. And today he stands in ministry, a man who was praised by his employer when he left and highly sought after. They wanted him to stay because the blessing of God was on their business because of his life. They wanted him to stay because although it was all unimportant to him in comparison to the kingdom, the kingdom made his job important to him because he wanted to be a good witness. Oh man, the immature Christian thinks it's an either or. No, it's that very tension that is shaping your conviction. I met with a brother for lunch today and the Lord is shaping his convictions in those areas. Don't be bribed away. Don't be intimidated off of when the Lord has shown you in his word. Man, God says it. That settles it forever and ever. When we think of what it is to do this, ask me. From 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 5. Ask me what it is to have faith that produces work. Tell, let me, let me tell you what that conviction has meant to me. I grew up in an environment that said faith is really just believing the Lord and it doesn't show up in any particular way except your confession and your baptism. In fact, if you try to do anything in addition to that, you're adding to the cross. Well, most of those devils are burning right now. But this one's on fire for God and no longer a devil. I was damned and believed those things. And when I was set free from damnation, the first thing that happened is my faith began to produce godly work. My love began to prompt labor in my life and hope that I had inspired endurance in every situation. Talk to me about what godly convictions mean to me. They are everything to us. I know what it is to have almost every other human being on earth not accept my conviction, at least in the short term. But if God has says it, that saddles it. Amen. I'm no longer bitter with anybody that didn't understand. God didn't speak to them. He spoke to me. In fact, their resistance actually strengthened my conviction. They did me a service. Oh, man. To have godly convictions. It means that the gospel has become power to you. The gospel is central uh, to the Holy Spirit. And you have deep convictions. All you have to do is read that passage. The Lord will give you insight into it. But as for me and my house, as for me and the churches of the one association, we've tasted of the age to come. We will never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and the corporate manifestations of his gifts. Having been adopted into the holy family, I will not rest. Say, I will not rest. Until every nation in the world is represented before his throne. We will not be bribed, intimidated, or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture. Is that your heart? Oh man, that is my heart. Now I told you that Moses wished that all God's people were prophets. And we titled the message, Wish Come True. But I tell you, it's not just Moses wish that has come true. My every wish about this church has now come true. We minister as a team. We are a family. 
We're connected to other churches that feel the same way. We're doing work around the world. When you think of Eliana, her life saved by the power of the gospel. When you think of Riley, alive to this day because prayers were heard and answered with fire from heaven. When you look back there at little Levi, working in the sound booth, born too early and yet full of the fire of God. When you see AJ and realize that her mother was healed in a way that women cannot be healed unless it's supernatural. And so she is here today. When you saw, again, one more time, how many of you have been healed in this church? Look at this. Tell me that we're not living in the book of Acts. All I had ever hoped to do was to see a church built by the hand of God that looked like the church of Acts. Do you know what? The church of Acts didn't know that they were the church of Acts. Their life was just daily life. They were living as led by the Holy Ghost. And when it's recorded, we're like, oh, it's amazing. And it is. Raise your hands again. Healed. Tell me that's not amazing. That's like the book of Acts. My every wish has come true. When we see people get out of wheelchairs in Mexico or this year, saw a man that had not walked in many years, walked to a meeting in like a mile. He, he walked so far that I was worried for his cardio because he was old. <laughs> see, spontaneous fillings with the Holy Ghost in other countries. Nobody touching them. Nobody asking them if they want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Just breaking out in other tongues. When we see our children pray for people and physical infirmities disappear before our very eyes... When we see demons leave people with shrieks, when we see deaf ears open, are we not in the book of Acts? You know, the reason that we cannot be bribed or intimidated or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture is because we love what they produce. They have produced a church that looks like the church of the Bible. The very great contradiction of our time is if this is a church and they are actually preaching the Scripture and everybody claims to, why doesn't it look anything like the church of the Scripture? Well, this one does. And you know what? It's a part of a family of churches that also do. You could go your whole life long and never find something beautiful, but it is the state we were all meant to live in. I want to close with one passage. Right, I'm going to preach another message that is under an hour. But this is my last one this year. This only goes so far. Turn with me to Acts 2. Having sat down with the 11 other pastors of the One Association... And our critics think that one person runs everything because our critics are stupid. It's one spirit who runs everything. We submit to one another out of love. It's a round table that Jesus is the head of. No church is over any other church and no pastor in any church is more important than the other pastors. You could spend all day long in a leadership meeting trying to figure out whether Matthew's running things, Wade's running things, or Eric is. So our critics can say what they want, but like I said, they're stupid. The truth is that what was happening as the pastors of the one association wrote these convictions down, 
is unknowingly, when we wrote these oaths, listen to this passage and you tell me where they came from and we didn't know it. Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Do you mean that they couldn't be bribed away? They couldn't be intimidated or seduced away from the daily implementation of the undeniable truths of Scripture? Do you mean to tell me that that might be what that's saying? How about this one? Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done among them by the apostles. Do you mean to tell me that having tasted of the age to come, they would never fail to boldly advocate for the personal and the corporate manifestations of His gifts? As we keep going, all of the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Hear this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Do you mean to tell me, having been adopted into the Holy Family, they would not rest until every nation in the world is represented before His throne? It turns out that God has been building churches the same way always. That He has been building holy men in the same way always. From this congregation from the congregation in Louisiana, from the other congregation in Texas, the congregation in Illinois, and the congregation in Virginia, just outside D.C., and every other congregation that comes online, we're going to build churches that look exactly like this. Amen. It won't be through the force of any personality. It won't be because of the genius of any man or any leadership team. It will be because they've tasted of the power of the age to come. It will be because they're directed towards every nation in the world. And it will be because they will not let go of the truths of Scripture. Amen. Church, you are a part of something that is beautiful. It may have begun small enough for people to despise it. But there will be a day when you will not be able to ignore what God has done through the churches of the One Association. It is a humbling thing to live in the book of Acts. When Pastor Sutherland came here, he couldn't stop saying, I love my church. Tonight I want to tell you that Pastor Piro and Pastor Stevens, we also love our church. I have preached so hard for so long. I've fought and picked war with every person that I didn't think was giving their all. And today, I stand in a group of people that I'd be proud to serve and die with in any country anywhere in the world. And it's my great honor to serve and live with you here. What the Lord's done is beautiful. My every wish has come true. Immeasurably more than you could ask for or imagine. Every day you work at something and you know that it's going to happen and yet you're surprised when it has. Oh, the Lord is beautiful. He is unveiling His glory all around us and there is more to be had. We're going to see so many more churches planted. We're going to see so many more lives saved. So many more babies come into this world that are devil-stomping, earth-changing babies. We're going to plant our sons in the Middle East. We're going to plant our sons in South America. We're going to plant our sons in the Far East. And we're going to see the gospel return to Jerusalem 
and we will see the salvation of the nation of Israel. Do you know why? God has given us a battle plan. And we're not going to let go of it until it's done, no matter how many generations it takes. We are now standing in a church that has four generations of a family in it, spirit-filled. That's a long ways from the little group in a living room. And those generations are going to the rest of the world. It's happening. Amen? Amen. So it is now one hour. And that's when I promised I would stop preaching. So I'm going to. I'm going to keep my word. The next time I preach, I'm going to go way longer than an hour. I'm going to insult every other religion. And whatever guest you brought will be incredibly uncomfortable. (laughs) Tonight, I wanted to do something with us. They say that Thanksgiving is the time that you sit around and talk about what you're thankful for and all. And most of the time it's such a bunch of fertilizer. The truth is, is it's a meal that you really don't want to be with those people. I mean, all you're hearing is why you never visit, why you never come around. And you're spending time with them and you know why you don't visit and go around. You don't have anything in common. But when we get together, we want to be the light of the world. Yeah? I want to have a meal with you tonight before we go do those things. I want to share a symbolic meal that reminds us what we're here for. He took up his cross, and we're here to take up ours. Part of that cross is shining a light in every situation. Not a Q-beam in their eyes, a light for their feet to examine their ways. A light so that they might see themselves as God sees them and find hope, okay? That's our job. And more than anything else, I'm gonna fry seven turkeys tomorrow with my friends because we can, okay? There's no other reason than we can. So that's what we're gonna do. But that's not the meal I've been looking forward to all day. Joy asked me yesterday, do we wanna set out communion? I was like, I want nothing better than that. I want fellowship with you because I love this church. I love this church more than I've loved anything in my whole life. And the exciting part is it's going to spread all over the world. This church is going to take its place among the larger church. It's happening. It's happening all around us. It is beautiful to be a part of the global call to the greatness of Jesus Christ, isn't it? So if we could go together, we're going to close this service now.